All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm speaking to you from the borough of Queens in New York City. It is the 17th day of January, 2023, and sadly, this is the last day this show will air on the Voice of America Business Channel. However, this show is not going to disappear. You can continue to listen to a commercial-free version of Turning Hard Times to Good Times every Wednesday by going to the podcast page at jtaylormedia.com or at my YouTube channel at 3 o'clock p.m. every Wednesday starting the 25th of January. That's 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, unless uh, you are notified. Otherwise, we expect to have a show every Wednesday starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. As this year gets underway, I'm very bullish on gold and silver mining shares, as well as commodities and producers of those commodities. The creation of money lent out at zero interest rates has resulted in massive misallocation of capital into what I call dream companies with no earnings. For an indefinite period of time into the future, these companies, many of them don't have any prospects of earning any money, but they have a dream. Now, with interest rates starting to reflect more accurately the true cost of capital, I believe investors will continue to move towards companies that produce life-sustaining goods and services and have strong earnings and balance sheets and away from those fantasy, what I call dream companies or fantasy stocks. We have seen the start of this with commodities among the only really profitable sector in, in 2022, while gold served its purpose as a better wealth preserver than the U.S. Treasuries and equities. There are a number of companies I follow in my newsletter, but some of my favorites uh, are I-80 Gold, Lion One Metals, Red Pine Exploration, El Oro Resources, Irving Resources, Labrador Gold, Newfound Gold, Puma Exploration, and Western Alaska. Those are truly companies that I think are on to some major discoveries uh, that you're going to want to know about, and I think investors in those firms have a chance to make a lot of money uh, in 2023. To encourage you to try my newsletter, and I haven't really pushed my newsletter that much in this uh, in this show in the past, but to encourage you to try my newsletter, Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, we are offering a two-month trial for just $29, and you will receive weekly letters that report important information uh, for the stocks that we cover in the letter. Uh, that is on a weekly basis, and then there is also a monthly letter uh, that comes at the end of the month that summarizes where the markets are, and the specific stocks provides an update uh, and a summary of where those companies are at the end of the month. 
To sign up, send us your email along with a credit card or check Taylor Hard Money Advisors, 600372nd Street, Masspeth, New York, 11378. And don't forget to send your e- that along with an email. The email, of course, is essential because we deliver this product by email. Or if you'd like, you can call our uh, office here in New York City to sign up directly. That number is 718-457-1426, 718-457-1426. Call during normal work hours. Regarding today's show, I do want to thank Timberline Resources for sponsoring the show today. I expect Timberline and several other personal favorites of mine, as I just noted, to become sponsors as we go forward starting on the 25th of January. I've titled today's show, Searching for Hope in a World Gone Mad. I have two guests this week on my show. They are one of this show's most favorite guests, Michael Oliver, and the second is the Reverend Larry Bean. Michael is not only one of the best technical analysts I have ever encountered, but he is also the author of a book titled The New Libertarianism, Anarcho-Capitalism. And Reverend Bean is not only a strong Lutheran theologian, but also understands the virtues of a capitalist economic system uh, tempered by an obedience to the golden rule. Michael Oliver provides a secular view as a libertarian and an Ayn Rand objectivist thinker. Ayn Rand observed tyranny in Russia during the bloody USSR communist regime. She was a brilliant thinker and has a great number of insights into how free societies function better than those under dictatorships. Michael and I are in agreement that America is starting to move very rapidly towards a cultural Marxist dictatorship where the so-called progressive wing of the Democrat Party is using propaganda to cause Americans to hate each other and turn against the U.S. Constitution that was designed to protect Americans against government tyranny. Unfortunately, It seems the Biden administration and most members of the Democrat Party are all in agreement with cultural Marxism, which destroys family and teaches mothers and fathers that their offspring belongs to the state, as does everything else that we think as our own private property. If you think that kind of dictatorship is impossible in America, you need to pay attention to what the World Economic Forum is planning for you. The founder of that one-world government format, Klaus Schwab, envisions a time in the near future when you and I will own nothing and we will be happy. Climate change hysteria, as well as COVID-19 hysteria, are being used to condition us all to submit to the state. And if you don't take the World Economic Forum seriously, you should because the Biden administration and most all Western governments now, with the possible exception of Hungary, are bowing at the knees of Klaus Schwab, in passing policies that are aimed at forming a one-world government, with national sovereignty being given up in charge of a central worldwide authority. If you wonder why the Biden administration is fostering the immigration of millions of illegal immigrants into the United States, it is not only because they wish to gain total political power, but they also do not believe in the sovereignty of the United States government and our Constitution, which compels the president to execute the laws of our country, among which are the denial of illegal entrance to in the United States. But beyond that, the Biden administration also has put into effect various policies and or at least has espoused various policies that are really aimed at destroying our country as we have known it. Let me just give you some examples of what they've been doing. Uh, these are local officials 
uh, not necessarily national officials, but far-left activists. They're letting violent criminals out of jail to implement equity. Eliminating the Supreme Court is, is being endorsed, not actually then packing it so that its effect is eliminated. Eliminating the electoral college system, eliminating two senators from each state, no matter a state's population. Eliminating the filibuster rules in the Senate, allowing non-citizens to vote. Giving illegal aliens more benefits than American citizens are provided with. Teaching kids critical race theory and denying our actual true history. Using the CIA to censor free speech guaranteed under the Constitution and threatening to take away the Second Amendment so citizens can more easily be moved where and when and wherever government chooses to incarcerate them. I fear the COVID-19 mandates were a precursor to a future more akin to the imprisonment of citizens like those that uh, occurred in Australia and New Zealand during the COVID days. There are many more examples of destructive policies, but the end results of all of these policies are to destroy America as it has been given to us by our founding fathers. As one who has lived 76 years, these changes are difficult for me to swallow. The ruling elite, including those Donald Trump referred to as the swamp, which includes all the U.S. intelligence apparatus, the entire military-industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about, and most of all the uh, major media are increasingly using propaganda to lie and misinform the public about COVID, climate change, foreign wars, and the financial condition of America. We know now from the Twitter drops that the U.S. government was in fact censoring free speech using private corporations to front that action. Unfortunately, these kind of pathological policies are not only happening in America, but also in other countries in the West that we thought of as safe democratic places to live, countries like Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, for example. The kind of censorship and removal of property and the right to protect, as orchestrated by Canada's Trudeau, uh, has been an absolute travesty, and along with the related propaganda and examples that were common in the Soviet dictatorship during the Cold War, they are really almost out of the same playbook. But then I guess I shouldn't be totally surprised. Way back in the 1950s, the John Birch Society was warning that America would one day become a communist dictatorship. And now we know that is exactly what the radical left is setting out to accomplish, not only in the United States, but throughout the entire Western world, by their demands to give away the safeguards of liberty built into the Constitution and violent riots like those carried out by Antifa and Black Lives Matter in the summer of 2020, the left is not hiding their intentions of overthrowing the U.S. government. In fact, I believe they have largely achieved an overthrow already, given the massive uh, sympathy that is within our government. So it's been an inside job. That's At least that's the way I view it, and uh, I, I hope I'm wrong about that, but it sure seems to be. You might recall that when uh, Senator Schumer warned Donald Trump not to mess with the CIA because they have seven ways to Sunday to get back at you. I don't think that was an evil threat from Senator uh, Schumer, and uh, well, they managed to get Donald Trump removed, that's for sure. I wish we could depend on free market objectivist ideology, but one very powerful follower of Ayn Rand, former Fed Chairman Alan Greenspan, proved why you can't put your faith in objectivism or any other ideology. Talking about gold, which, 
when it backed the dollar, limited the amount of dollars that could be created, Alan Greenspan wrote the following, quote, In the absence of the gold standard, there is no way to protect the savings from confiscation through inflation. There is no safe store of value. If there were, the government would have to make its holdings illegal, as was done in the case of gold. If everyone decided, for example, to convert all their bank deposits into silver or copper or any other good, and thereafter decline to accept checks as payment for goods, bank deposits would lose their purchasing power, and government-created bank credit would be worthless as a claim on goods. The financial policy of the welfare state requires that there be no way for owners of wealth to protect themselves. This is the shabby secret of the welfare status tirades against gold. Deficit spending is simply a scheme for the hidden confiscation of wealth. Gold stands in the way of this insidious process. It stands as a protector of property rights. If one grasps this, one has no difficulty in understanding the statist antagonism towards the gold standard. End of quote. So, as it turns out, despite his understanding that debasing the dollar by printing massive amounts of money would destroy the American economy, that's exactly what Greenspan did. The Federal Reserve put was put in place by Alan Greenspan after the stock market crash of 1987, and the intention there was as soon as the stock market starts to really tank hard, the government would pump money into the system to allow money to flow back into the equity markets, and from there, uh, the economy would would not suffer. Well, it's worked pretty well in many ways over quite a few years, but now we've come to the point where we've piled debt on top of debt because, remember, money that isn't backed by gold is created from debt, and so the debt keeps piling up, getting greater and greater now so that the United States government itself could become insolvent. It has a debt to GDP of something like 130%. The only time it was higher was slightly uh, for a short period of time during World War II. But getting back to Alan Greenspan, in 2001, Congressman Ron Paul had Alan Greenspan autograph a copy of Greenspan's 1966 article after Greenspan appeared before the House Banking Committee, of which Ron Paul was a member. Dr. Paul told me that as Greenspan autographed that newsletter, he asked Greenspan if he still believed what he wrote in 1966. And according to Dr. Paul, Greenspan reported back to him. He said, yes, I recently read it and I would not change a word, end of quote. In a conversation I had after that with Dr. Paul, I asked him how he thought Greenspan could reconcile his actions as a Federal Reserve chairman when he understood the, of the destruction his actions would lead to. Ron said that Greenspan said that he was the only one who thought that way and hence had no would have no impact if he spoke out in favor of the gold standard. Of course, he was uh, subsequently knighted by the Queen of England for doing such a great job for the global economy. So a morally challenged federal chairman understood his actions would lead to the demise of the United States through inflation, but rather than voice his intellectual concerns about our monetary system, or step aside and let someone else become an executioner of the American economy. He chose to accept the praise of kings and princes. Still, might there be some self-cleansing social mechanism or natural laws in place that could force a return to an honest monetary regime that would force a disciplined monetary system? For example, as Alistair MacLeod has been talking often about how China, Russia, and the BRICS are putting into place a system to rival the dollar, that system, for example, is based on gold. Actually, 
China, Russia, and the BRICS are in very moving very quickly towards something to rival the dollar, actually to replace the petrodollar with the petro yuan. Michael Oliver has always been one who has argued that laws of nature will ultimately prevail over markets that are malfunctioning due to government intervention. So I can't think of anyone better to argue that point than Michael Oliver, who will be with me right after the break. This is coming up in just a moment. The Reverend Larry Bean, a Lutheran Missouri Synod theologian, and one who is sympathetic to free market capitalism, will join me to provide his insights into the direction the West is heading and to help us understand how we can live joyful, peaceful, purposeful lives, no matter what darkness we may face in the years to come. He will be with me in the final segment of today's show. The question is, if man cannot live by bread alone, what else is there? Don't go away. I'll be right back with Michael Oliver right after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really happy to have our most favorite guest, Michael Oliver, with me today. Michael graciously shares his insights with us on the show, but if you really want to take advantage of all that he has to offer, all his insights and uh, trading, uh, ways to help you improve your trading and your, uh, your investing, I would suggest you go to olivermsa.com, olivermsa.com, to sign up for his very reasonably priced Momentum and Structural Analysis newsletter. Uh, it's one of those letters that I don't think I could could uh, do without for sure. So I'm 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 really highly recommending that you consider doing that. I, I want to all uh, tell tell you that um, you, you can buy Michael's book, which he's also uh, we wrote quite a while ago. He says when he was just a kid. Actually, it's it's titled Anarcho-Capitalism: The New Libertarianism. Um, and I might, if if time permits. Uh, pick up a quote from that book as we talk here because there's it sort of works into the theme of what I want to ask Michael about today. Um, I, I should mention that although this is the last time that Turning Hard Times into Good Times will be uh, aired on the Voice America Business Channel, Michael has agreed to join me every other week uh, when this show will be aired on the podcast page at jtaylormedia.com and also on Jay Taylor Media YouTube channel. Welcome, Michael, and thank you so much uh, for joining us again. Good to be back, Jay. Always good to have you with me. Um, 
You know, I th- we had you on a couple of weeks ago, so I don't know. Maybe this is asking you again what your views are as we go forward with the global economy, financial markets. Uh, what are your thoughts now? Uh, a silly a remembrance of a scene from a Monty Python movie. I think it was the Holy Grail. Uh, <clears throat> there's two guys, medieval movie, okay, Visionist. There's two guards standing outside of a castle, and they've got their giant spears in front of them upright, you know, just to guard the castle gate. And one of them looks off in the distance, oh, you know, a mile away, and he sees two knights on horseback. And the knights have lances, you know, like they're coming for the castle. But they're miles Uh away. You know, mm-hmm. and so the guy sort of smiles to his other guard and they smoke, they snicker, you know, because these guys are so far away. And then they look at him again in a minute and they're still way, way far away. And then within a second, they turn around and the night, the knights are upon them and impale them with the lances. It was all of a sudden they're distance, distance, boom, they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, call that chaos theory where, you know, mm-hmm. we move incrementally, trends do. And quite often they persist incrementally, you know, you, from the beginning of a bull trend to the end of a bull trend or a bear mm-hmm. trend. Uh, I think 2023 is going to be a chaos year where that which is underway will be more rapidly underway in 2023. Suddenly, you know, like mm-hmm. somebody upsets the table, flips the cards upside down. Uh, okay, that, that's the, the mental image I'll leave you with. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you can almost you can almost throw the dart at any market you're t- I'm talking about uh, where that that type of outcome could occur, especially I would say with gold silk upside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The I think the events that are cooking out there that are all interconnected, although a lot of the financial TV channels don't make the interconnectivity. Um, th- these these fracturings that are going on. Uh, are going to create wave effects that affect average people in the street. They're going to affect politics. Politics is going to affect them, vice versa. Um, certain markets are going to move in ways that people don't expect or further in the direction they don't expect uh, and, and more quickly. So I think it's going to be one heck of a year. Yeah. Well, I would think, and you, you know, that, that image that you just gave us of those those uh, guys off in a distance and no no need to worry seems to be kind of yeah, the way right. the people are taking the equity market now. Uh, they think probably the worst of it is behind us. A lot of people are thinking that, hoping that, mm-hmm. expecting some sort of a soft mm-hmm. landing by the Fed will just usher us, will just take right off mm-hmm. and off to uh, ever, never, never land where things are always wonderful. Um, mm-hmm. Equity markets, I don't think you're... Um, well, let's let's start with inflation and and interest rates. I mean, what are your thoughts there? Because they, you know, obviously, if well, inflation, well, the, 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 <clears throat> yeah. uh, the the T bond, the U.S. Let's talk U.S. government long term end of the U.S. government bond market, the end that the Fed has least control over. Yeah, mm-hmm. twenty thirty years type stuff. Uh, yeah. ETF would be TLT or look at thirty year T bonds. They actually were in a downtrend on long term momentum well before stocks ever turned down. They, mm-hmm. were, they were in a downtrend back in, in late uh, 20, in, during 2021 anyway, the various times depending on the, the one I was looking at. And the stock market didn't engage to the downside until early 2022 by our metrics. Of course, by most people's metrics, it didn't engage till last summer. <laughs> but uh, So the bonds were headed in being cratered. In fact, they had like a 35% down year last year, whereas the S&P had a 20% down year. NASDAQ had a 30-something percent down year. So the 
balanced portfolio concepts, stupid mm-hmm. notions, 60-40, you know, 60% stocks, 40% bonds will keep you balanced. Well, mm-hmm. it, it, it submerged you on both sides. There was no help on either end. Um, the only the only asset out there that might be listed in some people's orthodox portfolios would be gold, and gold was unchanged on the year. Silver up three percent. So uh, the Fed fighting inflation thing is uh, it's going to be really fun because a lot of people are cheering the downticks in gasoline prices. Uh-huh. Uh, a conspicuous conspicuous factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I agree. We, we we thought that months ago. We said, uh, okay, we get bullish on oil by the way at forty bucks now, uh, back in two thousand twenty, and natural yes. gas just above two. But then everybody joined in, and it, it was the leader of the first upwave in commodities. Mm-hmm. That our first wave began in October two thousand twenty, way way before Russia ever invaded Ukraine. In fact, if you look at the oil price chart, it peaked like weeks after the invasion. So mm-hmm. there was, the entire advance in oil had already occurred before the border had been crossed. Mm-hmm. So people who, the government, governments especially, like to blame the inflation on these sort of extraordinary factors. Well, the real factor is central banks, monetary expansion, free money. Okay. Uh, okay, now they've seen a downtick in some of these, their inflation metrics, and we've seen it in gasoline. So a lot of people think, oh, the Fed's, Fed's sort of doing their job, right? Well, watch the Bloomberg Commodity Index. Uh, it just made a low, I think may have been its pullback low, at 107 and change. And last year, by the way, despite being in correction mode, the Bloomberg Commodity Index still had a 13% up year. Okay? Mm-hmm. So didn't, uh, the Fed didn't fight Bloomberg too much. Uh, but anyway, it was 107 and change. We're now trading over 112. Mm-hmm. It's like six, mm-hmm. seven, eight days later. Okay, yeah. that's a 4.6% gain. You mm-hmm. go up another couple of points in the Bloomberg, and it's going to re-engage to the upside, we think. But I mm-hmm. think this time around, the leaders are going to be food. Mm-hmm. More likely going to be food, and energy will be a laggard upside mm-hmm. indicator. Mm-hmm. So everybody's got their eyeballs on crude oil and natural gas and, and feeling better. They're not looking at, 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 at sugar making new multi-year highs. Or cattle making new multi-year highs, or, or corn and beans reasserting themselves. Uh, so I think that's where you got to look. Uh, and when that comes back, all the talk, the potential talk of oh, the Fed's gonna they're gonna back off a bit because inflation's yeah. cooled. What if the Bloomberg engages in a second up leg, mm. and it's demonstrable? Mm-hmm. What will that do to those people who think? Oh my gosh, the Fed's going to do more. Yeah. Okay, so what are they going to do with their stocks? They're going to, you know, probably be even more frightened. So anyway, right. I'm expecting a second wave up in the in the commodity category. Now that doesn't the gold and silver don't depend on that. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people think, well, you know, if commodities are up, gold should be up. Well, actually, it's not the case. Gold's in its own world. Gold doubled between 2015 low and the 2020 high, while the Bloomberg Commodity Index went down all during that time. So gold didn't need commodities. And then when commodities had their explosion, starting late 2020 to early 2022, gold was going sideways. Mm-hmm. So the correlation mm-hmm. isn't real good. But mm-hmm. gold and silver look like they're ready to re-engage in a big way. They've crossed virtually every hurdle that we can lay down in front of them. They've crossed it. Mm-hmm. So we're yep. highly positive on gold and silver, uh, yep. with silver being the leader. And mm-hmm. we think that's going to be the stellar place to be next year, this year, mm-hmm. rather. Yeah. 
Well, I wonder, Michael, you know, silver does have more demand coming out of the, uh, you know, as an industrial metal, whereas gold is purely a monetary metal. Silver serves both functions. Uh, it has been lagging in the last couple of weeks. And of course, I know you take a longer term view of things. Gold seems, well, it's less volatile, isn't it? Gold goes down less when we're in a bear market, goes up less mm -hmm. when we're in a bull market. So I guess if what mm -hmm. you're talking about, if we start to see the whole commodity complex start to rise again, and gold goes up with that, silver is likely to outperform gold. And I would guess silver stocks too, perhaps, uh, outperform gold stocks. Yes. That would be our, yeah. our bias, yes. And that's that's, right. our, that's my personal outlook. And, and uh, you know, it's it, period. Uh, I've, I've I, I think, never been I think, so excited about a potential move as this one. As a silver move? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and I should say, folks, that in, in Michael's letter, he does – uh, he does tell people what he's uh, what he's doing. Uh, so it's he's putting his money where his mouth is, uh, at least in in extreme example, e extreme cases. And I've noticed that, Michael. So I do pay attention to that. I think all your subscribers probably do. Uh, well, then. Uh, OK, so what do you, we've seen a lag in the gold and silver shares recently and from the metals. What, what any thoughts about that? Well, yeah, actually, actually, it's a lag in the sense that. Gold is sort of, you know, back pushing back near its highs, and silver's well up past the midpoint of its of its range of the last few years. Whereas you look at the gold miners, and they're nowhere near the highs of uh, you know the last couple of years. But actually, mm -hmm. on a percentage basis, measuring from the recent lows of the summer, so mm -hmm. find the summer low in some some uh, GDX, for example. Yeah. Find the summer low even in an anemic large cap gold stock like a Barrick Gold. Mm -hmm. It's relatively anemic versus the sector. And you've had moves of 50% of, of variety. Mm -hmm. Gold has had an 18% advance from its low. So on a percentage basis, the rally from the summer low has been far greater in the miners than it has mm -hmm. in gold. But mm -hmm. that's because they're catching up. In other words, mm -hmm. They also had a far greater decline um, yeah. from the 2021 peaks down to the uh, 2022 lows. So uh, they're, they're a wild child and they swing bigger. Uh, now, mm -hmm. they're not as close to the old highs, but on the other hand, they're, they're, the recent several-month move has been far greater in the miners on a percentage basis. All right. And I think that will, I think that will persist. All right. Uh, just one question on the uh, commodities. Food, you think, is going to be the place to go. Are there any, any ways people can play that? I uh, guess the commodity, commodity uh, there, ETFs? Know, there, I, I, it's... it's there's an ETF called DBA, and I'm not. I can't yeah. attest to its uh, ability to match what I'm seeing in the specific commodities, uh -huh, the specific uh -huh. food commodities. Uh, there are ETFs basically for almost every single food commodity out there. There's a sugar ETF thing called cane or something. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a soybean uh, ETF, corn ETF, and so forth. And so there's direct ETFs to participate in uh, mm -hmm. that are futures-based ETFs. Uh, just like SLV is a silver bullion-based ETF. Right, right. Um, so there there are direct ways to participate in the specific foods, yes. All right. Well, uh, that, uh, mm -hmm. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, just shifting gears a little bit, I would, it, would like to get to your book, Anarcho-Capitalism. Uh, in the conclusion of the book, you stated, and I quote, throughout history, men have found convenient arguments and mechanisms to suppress freedom, and the trail of history is both bloodied and atrophied due to that suppression, end of quote. Well, I would suggest that an excuse to go off the gold standard back in 1971 
there was an excuse there. We had to finance, or some people thought we had to finance a war in Vietnam, and we had to finance socialism. We couldn't afford it, or we couldn't tax people enough uh, and, and keep their votes without finding some other way to to finance these government activities. Um, you know, Johnson's Great Society in the Vietnam War, and so 1971, as gold was leaving the United States coffers, uh, Nixon just, you know, President Nixon unilaterally just decided the rest of the world <clears throat> is going to have to take our dollars without gold yeah. and no, nothing behind it. Uh, so, so given yeah. the precarious financial condition of the United States and its allies uh, that we find ourselves in today, and then endless effort to to just spend. Well, there's no limit to the amount they want to spend. How many trillions, 33 we've got so far on our, uh, that we are indebted to in the United States that, to fund endless wars as we try to keep our empire going? And, well, how do you think this is all going to play out? And, and to what extent do you think uh, things might have been different if Mr. Nixon hadn't separated gold from the dollar? Oh, if he, if he didn't, somebody else would have. You know, remember he was a quote conservative Republican. So yeah. anyway, uh, those those definitions don't mean too much. Trump was also an advocate of zero interest rates and print, yep. print, print. He exactly. told he pounded the table, and you know. So I mean, yeah. it's it, it's it's not a Republican or Democrat side. Although recently, some of the talk by some of the Republicans to uh, you know abolish income tax, even at least the idea got planted. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, I, I suspect that in the turbulence we're going to see this coming year, and I'm not an advocate of this or that, please, please don't mm -hmm. quote me on this, but uh, sure. that the fragmentation and the pain that people are feeling economically will feel mm -hmm. is going to cause some wave effects that uh, uh, might just be sort of terms that are only just now being used, like uh, no income tax, go to sales tax. In fact, that was suggested uh, by, I think, Stephen Moore under under Trump, that maybe mm -hmm. that's an alternative. Uh, the dysfunctionality of the IRS, well, if they can't function and collect the taxes, especially during hard times, let's say, yeah. where people simply can't file, they don't file because they don't have the money, you know, uh -huh. uh, where those percentages go haywire, mm -hmm. then even people who like the IRS will say, hey, it's dysfunctional. It's not, not collecting the money. We need an alternative. So I could easily see a reversion, uh, not a reversion, but a go, go to the sales tax notion mm -hmm. where every, every shopkeeper in the country is a tax collector, in effect. Um, mm -hmm. I could easily see that. Um, all kinds of things that you might not expect to happen could pop up, I think, in 2023, especially at the point at which the stock market tanks through this year's lows. Now, right now, it's, it's spent since June that many months flip-flopping sideways, especially the NASDAQ 100, barely getting off the June low. In fact, if you look where the NASDAQ 100 is right now compared to the June low, it's almost barely unchanged from that low. Uh, oh, yeah. Despite all this effort to hold, if it fails, I think the next downturn will psychologically and monetarily be a, a big event mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, uh, of now. And then again, there's the problem of what if there's another commodity boom going on at that time? What is the Fed going to do? Yeah. And that's when Fred, the Fed's credibility goes out the window. Mm -hmm. And if you ever lose credibility in the Fed, then that belief structure is gone as well. Mm -hmm. In other words, you can't fight the Fed. Uh, all kinds of belief structures could get fra fractured here, as they should, yeah. because they're, they're unjustified belief structures. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think reality is about to bring the fist down on a whole lot of things. 
and uh, many and varied things that we aren't even part of conversation right now. Uh, and it, it wouldn't shock me that a lot of the terms pop up in 2023. Yeah. Um, terms well, we don't expect to hear. You know, when uh, you try to fool Mother Nature uh, forever, it, it can last for quite a That's while, right. maybe. I mean, I mean, I, you've always been sort of a believer in the natural uh, natural law, things that are going, you try to fool Mother Nature beyond mm-hmm. a certain length of time, no, and I, Mother Nature's yeah. Mother Nature's going to win ultimately, right? And so your right. thoughts, uh, yeah. it, you know, it, but it took a long time. The USSR was, you know, from 1917 to what, it was 70 years or so. You can yeah, be one, in prison. One lifetime and it fell apart. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, no, I'm. Uh, my book is based on the philosophical integration of Ayn Rand's philosophy, absent her politics, which was a limited mm-hmm. government founding father type mm-hmm. politics. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. instead, I supplant it with Dr. Murray Rothbard's libertarian political views, and I put them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in part three of Atlas Shrugged, part three, that's when the world comes apart, where mm-hmm. all the years of, of error that have been compounded with various wave effects, personal, governmental, corporate, and so forth, suddenly are revealed, and the whole world comes apart. Now, it's a healing process. Mm-hmm. Sometimes things that are bad should should fail. They should mm-hmm. fail badly. Uh, mm-hmm. That's one way you get rid of them, just like the Soviet Union. Uh, you know, it didn't last Self-destructive. Long. It was dysfunctional. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I yes. think that's where we, we're sitting now with all kinds mm-hmm. of forces at play, we can no. bring that about. It's all. Well, it could be a very uncomfortable year ahead of us, I suppose, Michael, but we'll look forward to hearing your words of wisdom going forward. We thank you so much again for being with us today, and we look forward to talking to you in a couple of weeks from now uh, again. Thank you Absolutely. so much for being with look us. Look forward to it, Jay. Thank you. Thank so you much. so much. All right. All right, folks. Well, that is it uh, for this week. That's it for Voice America, unfortunately. Uh, but you can, of course, listen to me at, uh, at jtaylormedia.com and on my YouTube channel as well. Um, so uh, that is it. Uh, this uh, that, that isn't it. I'm, I'm not speaking rightly here. We, we have another segment to go. Uh, Reverend Larry Bean will be with me. Uh, he understands the virtues of, capital, of a capitalist system. Uh, and he has. Uh, he, he also uh, recognizes the need to uh, to treat your fellow man the way you would need to be treated, and only then can capitalism work. So uh, don't go away. We'll be right back uh, with uh, Reverend Larry Bean. And to start with, you're going to hear a few words from Tulsi Gabbard. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Timberline Resources is a mineral exploration and resource development company focused on gold discovery in the world-class mining jurisdiction of Nevada. The company's flagship Eureka Project hosts a significant gold resource and drill-indicated upside potential at nearby higher-grade targets. Timberline Resources trades in Canada under the symbol TBR and on the OTCQB in the U.S. under the symbol TLRS. To learn more about this district-scale asset with exciting discovery potential, please visit www.timberlineresources.co. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. As Christmas and Hanukkah celebrations come to a close, uh, I'm sure you agree. It's been kind of nice to take a break from the politics and the noise, the frustration and the insanity that surrounded us over this past year. As we look ahead to the new year, we're reminded of the gravity of the challenges we face. We've talked about some of them tonight, and it's easy to feel hopeless when we think about that. What's most important to know is there is hope. Because as long as God exists, whose very essence is love, there is hope. And since God is eternal and will always exist, there will always be hope. God's love is the light within each of our hearts. And it's the answer to how we as a people, all children of God, no matter our background or our politics, can come together and heal our divides. Dr. Martin Luther King said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Now, love is the most powerful thing. It's what we in Hawaii call aloha. It's love, respect, and compassion for one another. This aloha, this love, it's not just a feeling. It's not something that's weak or passive. It's a powerful force that motivates us to take action to stand up for what's right, to fight for our freedom and for those we love. It's what motivates my brothers and sisters in uniform and I to put our lives on the line to defend the security and freedom of the American people in this country. It's what gives us the courage to speak the truth, gives us the strength to fight for what's right, and the humility to forgive those who've wronged us, overcome our differences, and move forward. Now, life is short. None of us knows how much time we have. So as we head into this new year, it is an opportune time to reflect on this truth, our purpose in life, where we can find true happiness and how we are making the most of every day. I'm grateful to have experienced early on in my life this truth that I was happiest when I was doing my best to be of service to God by serving others, helping my community. And I found that when I was chasing some selfish goal, I felt emptiness this is where we find real happiness, putting service above self. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. What you just heard was a clip from former United States Congressional Representative and Presidential Candidate Tulsi Gabbard. You heard Tulsi say that despite all the problems America is now facing, no matter how dark things may become, there will always be hope because God is love and he provides light in the hearts and minds of people who then can share that love with others by helping those in need. She quoted Martin Luther King as saying, Darkness cannot chase out darkness. Only light can chase out darkness. I'm happy to have Reverend Larry Bean with me now, because he and I are both members of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and because I believe we both feel blessed to live in a country that has granted Americans extensive personal freedoms that have not been very common throughout history. I'm really happy to have him with me, and I felt very comfortable in inviting him to share his thoughts about Tulsi Gabbard's message uh, of hope. Reverend Bean is a pastor in the New Orleans area, 
at the Salem Lutheran Church in Gretna, Louisiana, and he is an online teacher at the Wittenberg Academy. He holds a Master's uh, in Divinity from Concordia Theological Seminary and a Bachelor's in History from Thomas Edison State University. Thank you so much, uh, Reverend Bean, for joining me today. Well, thank you, Jay. It's a great honor. Thanks for having me on again. It's really good. As we did have you on a number of years ago, and uh, we'd like to talk to you more uh, because I think you have a lot of things to offer. I know that you are also a person who um, understands that the freedom is really good for society, but of course, uh, we do need to be responsible at the same time or it doesn't work so well, we're finding out these days. Well, uh, you just heard the clip from Tulsi Gabbard. Would you like to comment on, on what she said and add any comments of your own, perhaps? Yes, I thought it was a profound quote. Uh, she is, uh, I believe, a Hindu, so her understanding of what it means uh, when she says spiritual is going to be different than what a Christian means. But I, I think maybe a way to re, sort of reframe it um, to, to get beyond that sort of thing. I think maybe what she's really referring to is a, a common ethical vision. And, um, you know, ethics, ethics grows out of Christianity. It grows out of religions in general. But in the West... Our basic ethics about human humanity and what what humans are entitled to, what their rights are, how they should relate to each other, has been formed by our Western civilization, which in turn was formed by our Christianity. And so, um, I, I think that uh, if you if you sort of rethink what she's saying, is there is there are ethical values that transcend individual uh, time and place. Um, and 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 so um, the values that we find in religion, especially in America, in, in terms of Christianity, an ethical system grows out of that—an anthropology, a, a view of humanity that should um, oversee our uh, society, our social values, our government. All of those things should get back to the ethical system that we should have—a homogeneous, common, shared vision of ethics. Mm -hmm. Well, then our, our founding fathers, uh, who gave us the Constitution, of course, the Declaration of Independence. Uh, do you think they were pretty well connected to that Christian view of, of morality then? And if so, um, you know, to what extent is that a impacted American culture and you know how is it going now how far have we fallen from the ideals that they expressed yeah that is a great question and something we should reflect on um, you know there's a lot of discussion over this term Christian nationalism now mm -hmm. and a lot of debate over whether the United States is or ever was a Christian nation you know I think again I think part of the confusion is um, not all of the founders were Christian, mm -hmm. but they were all Western men who were influenced by Christianity, um, the, the ethics that grows out of Christianity. Uh, so let me give you an example of what I'm thinking, uh, how I'm thinking on this is Thomas Jefferson. He was not a Christian. He was a deist. Uh, he did not believe in the supernatural. He didn't believe in miracles. Um, and he actually edited the Bible to edit out all the <laughs> all of the miracles and things. He didn't believe in atonement or salvation or any of the doctrines of Christianity. But what he did believe in, what he embraced out of the Bible was the Sermon on the Mount, because here Jesus is defining, you know, he's sort of uh, laying out for us the ethics that grows out of the belief in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. And so uh, Thomas Jefferson was not a Christian, but he 
he upheld the Christian ethic, which is why he was so concerned with individual rights and freedoms, because Christianity teaches that each individual is created in the image of God, and uh, therefore um, we should not uh, act in a hostile way against our neighbor. We should love and serve, you know, love our neighbor by respecting our neighbor's rights. And so the, you know, the early Americans were all over the place. There were Quakers, Unitarians, Congregationalists. There were pockets of Judaism, a lot of deism, along with the more, you know, standard Christianity, like the Anglicans, Baptists, Presbyterians, Lutherans, Roman Catholics. But what they shared was a common ethical view towards humanity, um, rooted in Western civilization and, and you know, with, with uh, the Greco-Roman view of government infused with the Christian ethic. And so where have we fallen away from that? Well, we've seen a great diminishment of uh, Christianity, of religion in general. Um, uh, the most uh, the plurality among American people now, I believe, are what are known as nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, people uh-huh. who have no religious faith at all. And uh, so what we what we're losing is our connection to our founders view of ethics, their view of history, their connection to the Western civilization. Um, since the time of the American Revolution, we, we had Marx who brought uh, different ideas in terms of economics and society into uh, into the Western conversation. And that, that brings more of a totalitarianism and a, a getting away from liberty and human rights and the understanding that each person is uh, sacred, you know, in their mm-hmm. lives. And, and also um, education has changed a lot, too. Um, we've gotten away from studying the Western canon into a lot of uh, sort of social rhetoric or, um, you know, a lot of uh, kind of social engineering uh, progressive education in the early 20th century replaced the classical model. And I think all of those things have kind of kind of conspired together to give us a very narcissistic culture, a culture that is um, almost nihilistic, increasingly so. And I think that's where that's what separates us from the founders. And I think that was Tulsi Gabbard's kind of um, uh, um, th- the, the thing that she's addressing culturally, how we got where we are today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think she certainly, um, you know, is is concerned about the direction of things and, and realizes that we're at each other's throats. We're really, uh, you know, it seems there's a lot of propaganda is, is causing us to go against each other, to hate each other. And she clearly, um, yeah, I, I guess maybe she is Hindu, but there have been things about her and some of the things she said recently, in addition to, to that quote that we just listened to, that has me believing she may, you know, she may have... Uh, understand to a certain extent at least uh, the Christian values that are part of our society as well. Um, well sure, I mean being yeah. in you know being in the West, mm-hmm. being in, you know in, in our culture as she is, um, it's it's almost inescapable if you are grounded in Western civilization and history in in these sorts of things. Um, and that's and I, and really that's why I think religious minorities can flourish in the United States under a sort of Christianized ethic uh-huh. that is. You know, would you rather be a Christian in a Muslim country or would you rather be a Muslim in a Christian country? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think that's a pretty easy answer. Uh, the, the Muslim and the Christian country are going to have a lot easier go of it for the most part, I would I would think. Um, knowing some people that have lived in Bangladesh and other places, I would I would think that's true. Uh, so what what are some of the issues that trouble you most then? Would it would it be this concept this, that you just talked about, um, you know, Marx? Uh, 
one thing that we've known through the last century with the violent wars and millions of people that have been killed during wars, uh, the dictators of the last century were, you know, there was no place for God or any supreme being in their, uh, in their, in their culture, right? I mean, people were persecuted. Um, you know, we think of Solzhenitsyn in, in the USSR and so forth. They, they talked about how the absence of God led to this violence and, uh, and there's that. I would like to ask you if your comments on that. And also, we've been incredibly prosperous as a free country, a country that's free to carry out commerce. Uh, free market economics have been very, very good. Capitalism has worked really well. Uh, maybe just quickly a comment on on those two topics. Sure. Uh, the 20th century has been a real lesson uh, for us in uh, totalitarianism. When you see totalitarianism, the first thing they do is they oppress the church, oppress Christianity, uh, close the churches, uh, shoot the clergy. Um, totalitarian regimes uh, such as those, those that are Marxist um, cannot coexist with human rights or with Christianity. Uh, it's, it's a completely radically different worldview that is apart from our Western trajectory of, of the belief of that the individual human being has rights and, and, and that should be respected. So, um, as that, as those ideas in, infiltrate into our Western civilization, um, and, and we see it through education, uh, going on today, and especially in our public school systems, this, I think, is, is really the source of most of our problems. You know, we don't have a lot of time here, and so that's why I'd like to have you on again sometime in the future to, to expand on some of these ideas. Uh, but I would like to ask you before we conclude our discussion about the Wittenberg Academy. Um, you've been teaching there, you say, for something like 10 years or so. What can you tell us about the Wittenberg Academy? Uh, who is it for? Is there something there for listeners uh, to this show, for for example? Yeah, absolutely, Jay. Um, Wittenberg Academy is a, um, a Lutheran School. It is um, it is run by the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, or not run by it, but it is a, a, a organization within the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Um, we are an online school. We began, uh, you know, I, I've been teaching for ten years. Uh, I was there almost. I think I was. I, I started the second year that the school was in existence, um, and um, um, and 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 really the, there was a need because we, we Lutherans have a, a, an emphasis on education. We've got Second behind the Roman Catholic Church, we have the second largest parochial school system in the United States. Uh, but high schools are a different animal. They're kind of tough. So we started uh, Wittenberg Academy to allow high school students to study from all over the country and even all over the world um, and, uh, and to do so and take advantage of the technology. We're a classical school, um, unabashedly Lutheran. And, uh, and, and, and our families and our, our, our students love it. Our faculty are very devoted. And, um, and we, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm just so uh, delighted to work with the faculty, uh, highly educated, uh, people on our faculty. And so it's, it's, it, we have, um, sixth grade through twelfth grade, um, with, um, with actual faculty. Uh, prior to sixth grade, we do offer a curriculum, a homeschool curriculum for parents to, uh, to make use of. And we're improving things all the time. So if, if people want more information, go to wittenbergacademy.org. That's W-I-T-T-E-N-B-E-R-G-A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. 
and uh, you can learn more. Or people can contact me. Um, you can contact me at LarryBean at gmail.com, L-A-R-R-Y-B-E-A-N-E at gmail.com, and I'll be happy to talk to anybody about Wittenberg Academy. I want to thank you very much, Reverend Bean, for being with us today and sharing your thoughts on America and where it may be heading and um, well, what we need to do to try to to do our part to make things better. It's really great to have, have you with us. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jay. What a privilege and uh, blessings to you. Thank you very much. Well, folks, that is it for this week. Again, I want to thank my engineer, Matt Widener, for all the great work he did on this show on behalf uh, on this show's behalf, as well as Tacey Trump, my producer, for making this show happen. And I want to thank all of you for listening uh, over the past 13 years and nine months. Remember, uh, we will be continuing this show, but on a different format. Uh, you need to go to J. Taylor Media at 3 o'clock p.m. New York time, J. Taylor, J-A-Y, Taylor, Medium, dot com, or to my YouTube channel, which is also J. Taylor Media. Um, so go there at 3 o'clock. We will be live at 3 o'clock, uh, 3 p.m. New York time on Wednesday the 25th. Uh, so that's it for this week. And uh, for now, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 